Hello and welcome to Heilman and Haver, the stage and screen podcast coming to you via Zoom from Casa de Quinn and 1111 Studios in beautiful Port Orchard, Washington. I'm Greg Heilman. And I'm Matt Haver. We're two local actors looking to hone our craft by exploring the best in local theater and on the big screen. Each week we'll bring you entertainment news and views, celebrate classic Hollywood, enjoy cocktails with a tinsel town twist, and interview talented local actors and directors. Today we bring you the first of several special episodes of Heilman and Haver, focused on inclusion in theater and film. On our next episode, December 18th, we'll be speaking with L.A. actor Sarah Summers about her Hollywood journey and thoughts on body positivity in the movies. And keep an eye out for a special video edition of In The Mix coming soon to our YouTube channel, where we'll discuss some of our favorite inclusive films over the Wakanda cocktail, celebrating a watershed in film diversity, Black Panther. And in a few moments, we'll be joined by Sylvia Haas, Marianne DeQuatro, and Kenzie Carlson of the OCA Running Man Theater in Orlando, Florida, to talk about their performing arts program dedicated to working with the special needs community. But first, we wanted to let you know about some exciting things happening here on Heilman and Haver and on the local theater scene. Back on November 13th, we spoke with Amy Knickerbocker, president of the board and artistic director for Virtual Theater 2020. Tomorrow, Saturday, December 12th, Virtual Theater 2020 will be streaming their live performance of George Bernard Shaw's Pygmalion the classic play that inspired the smash hit uh, musical My Fair Lady, uh, free on Facebook at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. You can find them at facebook.com forward slash vtheater2020 or go ahead and click on the link in our show notes. And thanks for supporting local theater. With Christmas just two weeks away, we're excited to announce a very special holiday show here on Heilman and Haver. On Christmas Day, Friday, December 25th, we'll be joined by Turner Classic Movies commentator, author, and film historian Jeremy Arnold to chat about his book, Christmas in the Movies, 30 Classics to Celebrate the Season. And to celebrate the season of giving, we have a copy of the book to give away along with Jeremy's newest release from TCM, The Essentials Volume 2, 52 More Must-See Movies and Why They Matter. All you have to do is subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts and your name will be entered into the drawing for both books. Already subscribed on iTunes? Follow us on YouTube or another channel for extra entries. We'll announce the winners via social media on Christmas Day. Good luck. And now we're pleased to welcome from Orlando, Florida, Sylvia Haas, Marianne DeQuatro, and Kenzie Carlson of the OCA Running Man Theater. OCA, which stands for Opportunity, Community, and Ability, is an organization dedicated to providing individuals and families with autism or other disabilities the opportunity to maximize their abilities through functional, behavioral, social, recreational, and vocational programs to live within the community. OCA was formed in 2008 by a group of volunteers dedicated to providing support to special needs athletes in the Orange County, Florida area for participation in the Special Olympics. Since then, OCA has grown, adding programs that support the special needs community, including the initiation of the Running Man Theater Company in 2017 that provides a creative outlet for participants through masterclasses, theory, and performance classes, summer programs, and participation in full theatrical productions. Sylvia Haas is the executive director of OCA, Marianne DeQuatro is the director of the Running Man Theater Company, and Kenzie Carlson is an actor and member of the company. They join us virtually from Orlando, Florida. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So, Sylvia, you were one of the founders of OCA back in 2008. Tell us about the path that led you to the creation of Running Man Theater Company, and maybe then tell us a little bit about how the name came about. As Matt mentioned earlier, in 2008, I was one of four volunteers that we sat in the ball fields of a park called Matthews Park here in Orlando to say, what more could we be giving families here in the Central Florida community? And at the time, a lot of our families were looking for um, summer camp programming. They were looking for the Special Olympics 
uh, involvement. And then they were also looking for Saturday events, social skills opportunities. Uh, because what we found was a lot of our families did not go out and go out on dates and families hadn't gone away on vacations because when you have a child with special needs, you need a special caregiver to be able to take care of them. So at the time, that was really the big demand um, for our families. And I happened to be a mother of a child with autism. My youngest son, Matthew, has autism. And so he was kind of a driving force uh, behind us starting the organization. So in 2009, we became a nonprofit. In 2011, uh, I quit my job of teaching of 17 years, and we took a leap of faith, and uh, we opened up our, our organization, uh, which is known as OCA, which stands for Opportunity, Community, and Ability. And it was really our belief that every individual who walks through our door, whether they're a participant, whether they're a family, whether they're a volunteer, whether they're an instructor, that they have an opportunity in this community to maximize their ability. Uh, and what we have seen is tremendous growth. And so um, in 2010, we held our first summer camp where we included on the very last week of camp, Theater Week. And uh, for 10 years straight, one of our participants would write the play. And it always encompassed something that was going on at OCA. So the very first year, it was Ivan in Wonderland. Um, we've done uh, Peter Pan. We've done Star Wars, or we called it Sports Wars. We've done The Wizard of OCA. I mean, all of these plays were things that he would come up with in his mind uh, that involved uh, our participants and, and how we navigated life. And Ivan was the story writer, and he has always given us that aha moment of, wow, he, you know, he really is seeing everything that's going on around us and, and processing it. And so my niece, Rachel, at, um, who was a theater major, would sit with Ivan for hours to come up with these plays. And, uh, and in 2015, we had the privilege of partnering uh, with the Dr. Phillips uh, Performing Arts Center and Dana Brazil came on board and that's when we did um, The Wizard of OCA on a major theater and that was impressive. And then Marianne, you came in 2018, I believe? Yeah. In 2018, Marianne had been working with us in other programming uh, needs with our adults and all of that, but then Marianne took over the role of the director and man, have we just skyrocketed in programming. And ultimately the name Running Man came from our logo. So it is a person in motion and it's actually in the image of my son, Matthew. Uh, Dana came up, Dana, our director in 2015, came up with uh, the name Running Man Theater Company and we all just felt that it stuck. So that's the short story. I could go <laughs> on and on and on, and, but I won't. <laughs> So, uh, Marianne, there's a lot of different uh, opportunities, a lot of different programs, a lot of different classes that you guys offer, uh, well, as part of OCA in general, but specifically Running Man Theater. Could you talk to us a little bit about those different offerings uh, for your participants and how participation has grown since uh, the group was created and, and since you've uh, joined the group? Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I'm a director. I'm a theater professor by trade and a theater director. Uh, I came to Orlando in 2000 and 15 and I had had some experience in creating theater with 
middle schoolers and high schoolers with autism in my previous location. And so when I came down here, I wanted to continue that work. And I got hooked up with OCA. And like Sylvia said, I, I began by working with groups of my college students with the adult population and doing um, small theater programs with that population. And then Sylvia called and asked me if I would consider being the artistic director of Running Man Theater Company. And I, I didn't know what it was, to be honest. And so I, I met Dana. Dana said, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a theater company. It, and uh, the goal is increasing <laughs> professionalization, that there's nothing... Um, there's nothing amateur about Running Man Theater Company, and and um, she really communicated that vision to me, and I took it to heart. And uh, so our programming is extremely challenging and serious. So the members of the company, members can come and go from the company semester to semester, season to season. So Kenzie right now is on a little bit of a sabbatical because of her college schedule, and we miss her a lot. But our shows go on, and so we have members who have been performing in theater at OCA for its full 10 years uh, and are still in Running Man Theater. And then we have brand new members come every semester and in the summer as well. And we're always looking to recruit new actors or people who are interested in behind the scenes. But one thing that's really amazing about Running Man Theater is that it is inclusive of actors and uh, theater artists. So behind the scenes as well of all abilities. And one thing that I've really enjoyed doing is um, mentoring young interns through OCA and through the Running Man Theater Company. So we'll have stage management interns or acting interns or directing interns or playwriting interns who um, will help maybe craft that summer show in conversation with members of Running Man or OCA um, participants. Uh, we'll have Fred, one of our Running Man Theater Company members is more interested in technical theater like um, sound effects or lighting. And so finding ways for Fred to learn and master those skills has been really great. And he has been uh, increasing in his technical proficiency uh, through that. And so we do three or four shows a year, oh, which is a grueling schedule for all of us. <laughs> and. Um, uh, we have the summer program, which incorporates all participants at OCA who are in the summer programs, the summer camp programs, and then the members of Running Man Theater who come from all over. And so they may be in summer camp at OCA, but many of them are not because they're in college or because they are adults who are also working or because they may not work, but they're at home with their families, but they come and they participate in Running Man Theater, maybe for the summer show, maybe for all three or four shows in the year. We've also been very privileged to have guests come and hold master classes or to share their expertise with us. So Second City comes occasionally when they're in town and they will hold a master class with our actors. Um, my colleague, Eric Zivit, who is a specialist in fight choreography, has been a couple of times to teach fight choreography when we've needed and to really mentor and bring his expertise into our rehearsal space. So we have a lot going on. We've done Shakespeare, we've done comedies, we've done classics and modern plays and one acts. So we're, we're trying, I'm always looking for new scripts, exciting scripts, things that um, uh, the actors can really sink their teeth into and that um, again, push them to increase in professionalization. And I guess probably the biggest news is that we now make movies because with COVID-19, <laughs> um, we haven't, we have not stopped despite COVID-19. Yeah. So when when we went into the pandemic, we moved our rehearsals from in-person to online and shifted from having, we were going to have a season of one acts to then filmed um, Zoom style like everyone else is doing. And so one thing that's been really important to me is that everything that we do with Running Man Theater is, is like what we do in professional theater or educational theater, like at the college or high school level. And so everyone went online, we went online. And then in the summer, we had an original play like we always do, but it was written in order to be filmed. And then it was uh, premiered online. And we will have a live 
performance of our fall show, Sherlock Holmes in the Case of the Christmas Goose, which we're going to go into filming starting next week, but has been being rehearsed on Zoom. If I could say something real quick, right, because I know Marianne, um, she also is just scratching the surface of, of everything that's going on within the organization. But one thing that was really cool was last summer she had one of her uh, senior interns go up to New York to um, apply to a college, and she was for her master's program. And it was specifically to be able to work with individuals with special needs was the theater component that she was really looking to do. And when she went into the interview process, they basically looked at her and said, you could come and teach us because everything that she was sharing with them of her experiences of the things that she got to do hands on here with the organization and with the actors, she was carrying that up there. And they were like, you're already a professional. You already have the degree, which I think is a kudos, not only to what Marianne gives her students uh, at the college level, but what also happens here day in and day out. And to me, that is just a prime example of what our letters represent, that opportunity, that community, that ability. Um, I think probably one of my favorite things, um, my first experience with Marianne was in 2015, she did a play with our adults who a lot of them are very, they were nonverbal. And um, we did uh, uh, Shakespeare meets Lion King. And I was just like, are, are you kidding me? I don't even understand what's gonna happen here, but I was super excited. My favorite point uh, moment that happened was when we took the families to the Annie Russell Theater on Rollins College campus. For many of the parents, they were sitting out in the audience and they were crying because they never thought in a million years that their kids would be on a college campus, that they would be up on a stage performing with their peers. I have goosebumps. It was just, it was the most quintessential moment that could ever happen that, that, that we say all the time here, that's what we're creating. That's what this is about. That, this is the inclusivity that Marianne is talking about, that we want people to realize that when you put us all together, we're all alike. We all want to be understood. We all want to be accepted. We all want to have an opportunity. And it's awesome. This is just one small component that we have, but it has such a trickle effect. Yeah, it's definitely a, a unique organization from my perspective. I don't know any other you know, group that is dedicated to working with special needs and, and disabled folks from a theater perspective at such a maturity level. How yeah. does how does the funding model work? Is there a tuition for the students? Are there are there grants or they're through affiliations? You see both Mary and I, Marianne and I laughing. So what we do, and I'm not very good at doing it all the time, but we will sit there and say, oh, there's a $50 fee. Everything's free. I mean, we just um, we were very blessed a couple of years ago. We got a grant from Universal um, Studios. And so we were able to help pay for our directors and we were able to help pay for the um, stages where we performed. We uh, not only have we performed at the Dr. Phillips Center, but we were able to perform at the Orlando Rep. Um, and so we had some opportunities with that and all of that, but everything else, no, it's, you know, we get on the phone and we say, hey, can you donate this or can we get this or, or my poor husband pulls out his credit card and he doesn't know he's pulling out his credit <laughs> card to, to help cover um, getting Sherlock Holmes's new hat or whatever it is that we need to do. So we make it work. And Marianne's very resourceful. Uh, Rollins has been very generous in letting us use 
costumes and uh, the theater. And, and as she mentioned earlier, we have instructors from them coming over and, and doing master classes at no charge to our kids. And, and I think in the end of it, sometimes everybody else is getting so much more out of it than maybe the actors are realizing that they are giving. And so it's, it's always been a positive experience. And, and so we're very blessed that way. Well, you have, you work with folks with, you know, um, varied skills and disabilities and things like that. How do you, uh, what are the challenges in getting them all to work together and, and what tools do you use to, to kind of meet those challenges? So therapeutically, we use um, what we call applied behavior analysis or known as ABA. That is the best therapeutic model when you're working with individuals with special needs. There's just a syntax that's uh, a form of language that we use uh, that's consistent for all of our participants so that they have a general understanding. But we are of a multidisciplinary approach. We believe that providing a visual for them, providing a physical movement for them to be able to understand. And then Marianne and I will do a lot of observations of the actors to see how they interact with one another, to see then how we pull out, what, how can we communicate that particular scene of what we want from them. And I think initially when we first started, it used to be a lot, I, I am the coach, the kids call me coach. So it's always sports terms. All right, guys, bring it in. This is what we're going to do. Marianne needs us to do blah, 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 blah. And then they would do it. But because of the rapport that Marianne has built with the actors, we really have been able to kind of pull away from that. And Marianne has been able to draw things out of the actors that we didn't even realize that is so instinctual in them already. We just had to figure out how you pull it out. So Marianne, I'll let you keep talking about that. I would emphasize that though many of our participants have come through years of ABA therapy that once we're in the theater space, though um, that sort of language can be really useful to set clear expectations. So especially for individuals with autism, you have to be very clear. However, I would say, and if you're both theater professionals, you know that uh, directors gotta be clear with all actors that um, the sort of language that you need to use when you are trying to get people to both connect their, their mind or their emotions and their bodies in order to complete discrete actions as part of a whole has to be incredibly clear. But that sometimes also it requires physical demonstration like Coach is saying that we, we will sometimes just get up and, and we will show the scene or show the, um, the movement. So one thing with autism is that no two people with autism are the same. So there's no one trick or thing or method, et cetera, that you can use. And I'd say one thing, and um, uh, I'm a researcher, I'm a researcher into what methods work best for theater artists hoping to work with individuals with disabilities. And I, I mean, my keyword is adaptability and you have to adapt all techniques to every individual who is present in a theater space, which really ought to be the model for the entire profession. Uh, and so one thing with funding is that I, I take, um, I take the charge to theater artists who have the privilege of working within higher education to make our spaces models of inclusivity in order to then challenge the paradigm in our profession, which as you know is incredibly exclusive and really destructive of actors. Actors are seen as disposable. However, at Running Man, actors are not disposable. In fact, they're valued so highly for who they are and what talents they bring. So I just wanna share like one example. We have an actor who this year is playing the villain in the show. 
And um, this actor has, I actually did have the privilege of working with him very early because he, he was in the adult program. And um, to see his growth as an actor from my first introduction to him to when I remember specifically remarking about him that if anything was emotionally uncomfortable, that made him emotionally uncomfortable. So one thing is that the individuals with autism, it's not that they don't feel or that they don't desire social connection. In fact, often they feel incredibly deeply. So anything that was like, hey, um, can, you make a, can you make a sad face? We're all gonna pass a sad face across the circle. And he would, he would start joking because he didn't want to model sadness. He didn't want to feel sadness in his body or he didn't want to be angry if we were working on angry expressions or angry lines. And he would turn to this joking that is really fun. But I noticed that it was a coping technique, that it was a way of deflecting from uh, an emotional state he didn't want to embody. And so over four or five years now, to see him grow, now he's still uncomfortable. He's playing the villain. And it's the hugest role he's had yet. But I know he really wants to do it. But he's working through this because as he gets uncomfortable now, instead of refusing or joking and turning and, and not saying the lines, because that, that kind of, it's like a pattern. Um, is a way of refusing to do it. Instead of that, he's working, he's pushing himself through it. And he is really, I, he's, I think he's going to give a stunning performance. And actually he had an emotionally difficult role in the one acts, but it was smaller. And so now he knows it's, it's even bigger, more is on him, but he could not have done that role four years ago. And so to see that grow, but also to kind of coach him gently through it and let him work through it and to kind of insist, I think you can do this. I think you really can. And that it's just a part. It's just playing. We've increased the amount of play. We do a lot more improvisation now. We even imp improvise like with our film that we made this summer. We had a whole improvised scene and he was in it. And he just brought some, some wonderful original um, scene work to an improvised scene. He was playing Lord Capulet at the party. I said, I need a little material for the background. Can you guys just improvise how, how you're mad that she won't dance with Paris and she's not enjoying the party and she doesn't want to get married. And, and as, and he really, he brought it and he was willing to go there to be someone who is unlikable. And, and that's just, these are the kind of magical moments that are just so much fun as their director and their teacher to see them working in. Yeah, we ask a lot of our, we've had directors on our show before. And one of the questions we always ask them is what makes you What's that moment of, for lack of a better word, pride that, that, or satisfaction? And it sounds like you guys have those happen almost every day. You know, I have to let you know, we did Shakespeare, um, Romeo and Juliet. And I thought Marianne was crazy. I mean, I was just like, I, I cannot believe you want to do Romeo and Juliet. And we did the abridged version of it. And we had two amazing actors that were in the title role, that this was the first time they were in the title role. I'll never forget sitting in the audience with all the families and it came to the balcony scene. Prior to it, you could just kind of know that you weren't sure if the audience was really feeling like this was Romeo and Juliet. And they got up and they did the balcony scene and you felt the entire temperature change in the audience, in the theater. And they were all look, the parents were all looking at me like, what? I cannot even believe they nailed that they didn't mess up one line. It was so heartfelt that at the end I was like, no, I can't believe this is how it ends, even though I know how it ends. <laughs> 
And I mean, they came from both of them being deeply uncomfortable, even holding hands. Yeah. And, and, and the, <laughs> there was a lot of coaching uh, on, um, and we had to work up to it, to, to the, the, at the dance, you know, with the, um, when he first approaches Juliet and asks uh, uh, for the kiss and, and we worked out how to do the kiss without a real kiss, but it was a kiss on the cheek. And, but it was, it was pretty, it was like, you know, pretty close. You guys know all the tricks, right? Um, but that, uh, respecting different actors and their their physical boundaries, their sensory needs, right? So for some, uh, there are just costumes they can't wear, and, and knowing that and adapting to that and saying that's okay, we can change this. This does, you know, the most important thing is to tell the story, and that's what they want to do is tell the story and be the character and get the applause that they deserve. And so wearing this specific hat, if it's got like some scratchy lining or something, is not material to telling the story we can change those things one of the things that really impressed me uh in in prepping for our interview listening to other interviews that you have done and and reading about your group is the fact that you guys don't dial back the shows um these are professional productions and the amount of satisfaction that that must bring to your participants and, and to you tell us a little bit about show selection you've mentioned some such as romeo and juliet what criteria do you use to select the shows for the group? And is there a certain genre that uh, you feel like your actors uh, seem to enjoy the most? I'd say the, the most fun thing I've noticed recently is how sophisticated and fun their sense of humor is. So I have been seeking out more and better comedies for them. And it started with when we did Romeo and Juliet, we paired it with uh, Words, Words, Words by David Ives. And they just yeah, love really. that silly play yeah. with the monkeys and all the humor. And then the next uh, holiday season, we did the Unbreakable Timmy Cratchit, which is just a delightful Christmas season one act. But the um, the humor is really funny, witty, fast paced and sophisticated. And so, and they love it for Running Man theater specifically. They they love the more, I would say older content that gives them a challenge. They're really enjoying Sherlock Holmes right now. And I can see that probably a lot of them might get really into listening now or reading the stories of Sherlock Holmes. And I set them the challenge of working on their English accents and some are doing it. <laughs> I think one thing that they, they, that I am adoring about working with my group is that they don't want to stay static. They're always wondering what the next show will be. And they are not, they're not like, I hope we do another fill in the blank what we just did. They right. want to know what it is in the sense that it should be new. And all of them want to be the lead. Every yeah. time it's going to be the next show. They, they're hoping and they're working and pushing themselves to get better and better, to get those bigger parts. Right now, I, I would say that um, endurance, we're working on endurance. It's hard to, and as again, professional actors know, to maintain your focus for a two hour show is incredibly difficult. Yeah, I was in a, I think it was a three hour show once and it was just, it was, it was difficult. And then by the time the run was over, we were just all exhausted because it's, you know, three hours for us, it was three times a, a week. I think for me, one of my favorite things is also seeing those kids that are shy, that would not give eye contact, that they would rather talk to the ground than have to look at um, their peer and do a scene and to see them now. And I love watching them help each other through it. Oh, you know your line, your line is this. Like they have their line memorized for the other actor. No, no, you were supposed to say this. So it's kind of cool to watch them raise up the game and, and expect that their, their actors are on the same page as them. Um, I, that I think has been really fun to see them 
gain that confidence and, and be able to give each other constructive criticism and all of that is a whole new component for them. And, and I think that that's a great thing that the theater has brought to our individuals. And then ultimately the family sitting there going, oh my gosh, I didn't know they could do that. I think that to me is the highlight. Kenzie, you've been in a number of productions with Running Man. Um, do you want to give us, I guess, A, just a quick rundown of, of what you've done with the group? And then B, we've talked a little bit about um, some of the changes that we've uh, that you guys have seen in in the actors. I mean, how has how has participating in this group impacted you personally? So I started with Running Man in March of 2019, and I had been wanting to get into theater for a while, and I just hadn't because you know fear is a thing, and I was just like I can't actually do it, even though I want to. Um, and then, so then I was like, okay, screw it, I'm doing it. And so I did some research and was trying to find like a group because like, I was like, I don't really have like all the confidence in the world. Like I have no skills. There's no way that I could just walk into an audition and do awesomely and then get a part like that wasn't how it's was going to work. So then I did some research and I found Running Man and I found them through a YouTube video and um, that YouTube video was our old director, Dana Brazil, who I have not had the pleasure of meeting, but, um, and it was a video of her basically like explaining um, how awesome theater is for um, individuals with autism and disabilities and how like the kid, the people aren't limited. Like if you don't put a limit on someone, then there's no limit and they can just keep doing it. And so um, anyways, I fell in love and um, contacted Sylvia. And um, then I, she put me in contact with Marianne. And then Marianne um, and I met one day. And then the next week, I started coming to rehearsals. But I didn't have a part for a little while. And then I ended up understudying um, Jonathan Swift in Words, Words, Words by David Ives. Um, and then ended up actually playing the role. And then, so that was my first show and I did not know what the heck I was doing. Like I knew generally, like, you know, I knew all my lines, whatever, but like, I remember distinctly walking into the Orlando rep for the first time. And we were just there like one week before the show, just to like get the lay of the land and everything. And I remember just being like terrified and like we did a rehearsal at the rep and, like I knew all of my lines, but like I definitely like stumbled around with the blocking because it was a whole new environment for me to get used to. And like having a physical disability, I had a lot to like try to figure out how to navigate and everything, but I ended up doing great. And then, so anyway, so that was my first show. My second one was that summer um, for the summer theater week, we did um, The Legend of OCA, which was an original script written by Ivan. Um, and it was essentially um, these two characters, uh, player one and player two, went into a video game and then they had to like pass different levels to get to the happiness dimension. And at the end of it, we sang happy birthday to OCA because OCA celebrated their 10 year um, anniversary. And I played player two and that was my first like big, big role because um, words, words, words was I was still a lead, but it was much shorter. It was only about 15 minutes. This was probably about 45. Um, so that was my next role. And then um, for our holiday production last year, I was Lucy Cratchit in Unbreakable Timmy Cratchit. And that one definitely pushed me um, 
because she is eight years old or so and so I had to like kind of think like an eight-year-old and I remember like not being super comfortable with it at first like at all I was just like oh my gosh like I don't know I knew that I could do it but I still doubted myself anyway so I was like I don't know if I can do this but Marianne is awesome and we worked on different things to like help me get more comfortable with it and I did it and then most recently I have played um, Shaban in an adaption of The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, um, which one of my fellow college students, but she goes to Rollins where Marianne teaches, she wrote that script and cast me as Shaban. So that was fun. Um, and then the other uh, most recent was Roxanne in Cyrano de Bergerac, um, which that seriously like pushed me so much because it was so not a like role that I saw myself in but Marianne saw me in it and was like here you should do this and so then I was like okay cool so then I um did and those weeks of like trying to memorize the lines and everything like first of all it's not written in standard English second of all like the character was not very much like me so I had to like kind of push myself out of like what I would do and think like what Roxanne would do. So that was my most recent one. And then this summer, um, I actually was able to intern at OCA with Marianne and we wrote a script um, based off of one of our actors. It was not Ivan this time, but another actor um, wrote a script and she had it as um, Shakespeare Law and Order Victims Unit um, or not. Yeah. So yeah. Yes, she did. <laughs> It was the, the Shakespeare great. Victims Unit. Yes, that's what it was. Shakespeare. I love these creative titles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we took that. You're very creative. It was so fun. Um, so a couple of us took that script and kind of were like, okay, let's break down the main ideas of this and like make it into a longer play. And so we did. And then I also, while we were writing it, before we actually brought the Running Man um, actor back into it, I was teaching um, individuals with autism ages, I'd say three or four and up, um, theater skills throughout the summer for about six weeks. And then once we brought all of the Running Man uh, actors back, we... Um, started filming um different the different scenes because um we obviously couldn't have everybody together because of covid so we were just filming like certain scenes on certain days and then we edited it together and made a movie so it was a blast oh it sounds like it, it greg and i i know in our own personal experience and and myself as as a middle school educator it's always amazing to see the progression that uh, at the middle school, kids and community theater uh, adults make from being wallflowers, uh, introverts. You know, it, it, they open up in ways you don't, you know, ever would ever never have a chance to without that theater experience. What changes have you seen, Marianne and Sylvia, uh, whether physical, emotional, social, among your participants and? and Kenzie among your peers as a result of of their participation in Running Man? Well I know personally that when the actors come on campus everybody all the other participants are like whoo Running Man's on campus I mean they're like the big cheese which I'm not sure theater majors are used to being the big cheese on campus it's usually the athletes and all of that now I will have you know that when my special Olympic athletes come on campus they get that same type of recognition 
But Running Man is real. I think they're kind of even now with those SO athletes. So it's a little bit of a competition. But um, there is so much pride. Like that's the first thing they'll say. Oh, I'm in Running Man. I'm an actor, you know, and and so I love it that they're able to identify themselves in a variety of ways and that they have things that they call their own. That's one of the beautiful things that, about OCA is OCA is theirs. It belongs to them. It doesn't belong to anybody else. A lot of the kids will refer to it as my OCA. You know, that that's their thing. And um, to me, that's I've loved seeing that. I've loved seeing their self-esteem grow. I love seeing their confidence grow. And it just carries over into other aspects of, of whether they're in school, uh, their home life, uh, whether they're participating in, in other organizations and groups. We just constantly, and I think Marianne can uh, solidify this, we constantly hear them raising their level of, of exposure, right? They want to go out and try new things. When we first started working with the kids, we, we literally would have to give a breakdown. First, we're going to do this. Then we're going to do this. Then we're going to do this. Then we're going to do this. And to Marianne's point, we've become so adaptable that we're able to throw new things at them. And they're adjusting without going, oh, wait, wait, you, you've totally changed the whole schedule. Because they've been able to gain experiences, they're able to adapt a lot easier. I have this, I have this fun example that uh, has struck me recently. Uh, often you'll here, uh, you'll see it written or you'll just know from if, you, if you're in the autism community and it's environs that um, often people with autism have executive dysfunction disorder, right? Like they can't, like they can't keep their stuff together, know their calendar, or they'll forget their keys or forget their lunch or whatever. And, and that this is something that through therapy, uh, they can work on, et cetera. But for me, I'm, I'm trying to put on a play and my actors lose their scripts every week. Every week, all the scripts are gone except for the ones for whom their thing is keeping track of their script. They're fine. But for, for probably at least 50 to 70% of our actors, the scripts go missing all the time. And I've adapted. I've learned to always carry scripts with me, extra copies, and um, to push those limits. Like, I'm sorry, I'm photocopying these scripts because my actors need a copy, an extra copy. In fact, they need five extra copies. And... Um, so when we're physically together, I always come with about 20 excess scripts. And now that we're online, every week, right before we hit Zoom rehearsal, I send out the PDF again. Here it is, <laughs> because they, they'll they lose it even within their email. They'll never see it again. And so I just, I just keep sending it. And that's one way in which I've grown so that I'm not hampered by like, oh, everyone forgot their scripts and now we can't do anything. No, I can. I also can grow and adapt. And and increase in my ability to be ready to direct this discrete group of actors that, and meet them with what they need in the same way that if we were doing a fight scene, I wouldn't show up without knee pads and swords uh, for them to use. So that's one fun fact is that half of them lose their scripts all the time. And I do not expect them to grow in that area at all. <laughs> well, one of the things that, you know, within that growth, right, um, both um, Dana and Marianne, they, they push the envelope. They, they have never once come to me to say, hey, here's a scene I would like to do, or here's a play I would like to do. Do you think we can? We don't go into it that way. We go into saying they can. How do we give them the skill sets in order to be able to raise it up to that next level to push their 
confidence level up. And I mean, we sing, we dance, we do fight scenes, we tumble on the ground, we get uh, puff balls thrown on you. I mean, you name it, we do it because we don't sit there and say they can only stay in this bubble. We sit there and say, how far can we come out of the bubble? And it's been amazing. <laughs> That's great. Well, well, Kenzie, as a participant, how has participating in the theater group and in the shows affected you and your your peer set uh, personally? Uh, you mentioned kind of being nervous at first. Has that have you gotten more and more confident? Has this also translated into you know your life outside of the theater? I, like I said, was like extremely nervous, unconfident in myself in a lot of ways, even outside of theater. Um, and then when I started, I distinctly remember like my mom made a comment um, after my first show um, when we were at the Orlando Rep and she was like, I couldn't even tell that you like had CP and like, like it just didn't look like you were paying attention to it like at all. And I was like, really? Because I kind of felt like I was, but then I went back and like watched it because we had a recording of it. And I was like, wow, you're right. Like I really was not focused on that. And like, for me, just because it's a physical disability, like I have to be very mindful of like my environment around me and everything. But like I was, had gotten comfortable enough that like it wasn't bothering me anymore. I didn't have to be as like careful, I guess. And then just in general, like in uh, outside of theater, um, I like have gotten, like I said, like with the whole navigating environment thing, like I can walk into somewhere that I've never been to and not like wor have to worry as much about like, can I navigate this space without falling or without, can I see the whole thing? because I also have a vision impairment, et cetera, et cetera. So just like realizing that I can confidently walk into somewhere where I've never been and navigate it fine because of theater. And then bouncing off of that, as far as like my uh, fellow actors go, we've had a few that um, are less verbal or they um, can struggle with memorizing or different things like that. And there are a couple that come to mind that I've seen them go from like having to be verbally fed their lines to coming this past summer to our filming days and being completely off book. And I was really impressed with the fact that they were because I was expecting us to have to use the teleprompter or verbally tell them and then have them say it and record them in smaller chunks. But we didn't even have to do that. And I was really proud of them for um, growing in that way. So that's impressive. Oh, go ahead, Greg. No, I was just going to say we, we should uh, wish we had that kind of, you know, growth in some of our shows. <laughs> Indeed. I think everybody should go online. If you go to the OCA uh, Facebook page, and we'll go ahead and link it in the uh, the show notes. Uh, check out uh, Kenzie's um, performance in Cyrano. Uh, there's a clip on their Facebook page, and I, I watched it last night and really enjoyed it. So this uh, this whole thing that we're doing here with our podcast uh, has been a bit of a gap filler uh, for theater not happening in its usual form. And here we are. We're all on Zoom. You're in Florida. We're in Washington. If you guys were down the road, we'd still be on Zoom, unfortunately. And, and it sounds like you guys are making a lot of adjustments, as so many theater groups are. And we've really enjoyed seeing the growth of some of these technologies and how they're being put to use. Um, you guys are now essentially making 
making movies. Um, you know, can you tell us about what uh, shows are coming up and how our listeners can can tune in and view those if they're going to be available online? Yeah, we have Sherlock Holmes and the Case of the Christmas Goose coming up on December 17th, right, Coach? Yep, December 17th. It'll go live at 7 p.m., I believe. And uh, we'll have it on our Facebook page and on our website. We'll have advertising for it in the next few weeks. It'll run pretty constantly to kind of, you know, um, advertise it. But that one we're going to make a we're going to it's a it's a script that, um, you know, the publisher is letting uh, Zoom performance rights um, happen. And so it it sounds kind of like a radio drama, but it's going to work really well to break it up into these small segments to film it. And we're, we're actually filming, we're going on location around Orlando. So there's a scene in a pub. So we're going to go to an, a beloved area Irish pub that's got tons of ambiance. Uh, there's a scene on a farm. So we're going to film by the big chicken coop at OCA with all the chickens around. We're going to go downtown in Winter Park, Florida, uh, near some of the really beautiful architecture. And that's going to be our kind of foggy Christmas time scenes uh, in the streets of London. We'll find lots of pretty doorways and archways and alleyways and and uh we're going to use the historic annie russell theater here at rollins college for some for sherlock holmes's office will be one of my colleagues offices that looks really antique and great unlike my very modern office and um i'm pretty excited about this one because uh, uh again they've dived deep into the script they love it they they love the mystery aspect and um uh i think it's going to be a, a, a real fun one Nice. Well, I met I met Kenzie through a, kind of a Disney fan thing through um, a sorcerer radio, an internet radio that plays uh, Disney park music. And in one of her posts to the group, she had mentioned the theater company, and I, you know, looked it up and mentioned it to Matt. And Matt and I thought, you know, this is great. We have to got got to get you guys on the show uh, because there's there's nothing that we know that's like this anywhere, and especially here in the Seattle area. So not just did we want to get the word out about you, but also maybe inform some of our listeners in, in the area here in case they're interested in doing something similar. Because I think, you know, I think we all agree that everyone should have an equal chance and access to doing things like this. Theater is just such a great thing for, you know, mental health and, uh, and social skills and, and just, and it's super fun, obviously, or, or, you know, we wouldn't be doing it. So I guess the question to, you as kind of an administrative team, if someone in this area or, or anywhere else was looking to start something similar um, to what you you folks are doing, what advice would you give? Where where should they start? That sort of thing. What 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 could you say about that? Well, personally, I think you know partnership is incredible, and 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 without the partnership, the organization would not have grown. I mean, um, you know, we were very blessed in two thousand and fifteen that OCA formed two very important partnerships, one with the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts and the other was with Rollins College Theater Department. To me, I think if you're an organization and you're servicing individuals with special needs, you want to find another organization that has the overall same end goal of, of just providing some type of opportunity, providing an experience because we don't know where it will take them. And that's what we have found to be the most successful is the more experiences we continue to give our actors, the more they're blooming. We have one young man that is applying to several colleges 
for the theater department to to be an actor, you know, long term. We had another young man last uh, December did a uh, performance on a um, um, the little theater in Daytona. Right. So and he performed in live theater, you know. Um, so it's it's awesome. So I I would. I would say that you, you would need to be able to find collaborators to help you be able to, to get the end result. And then I also think it helps, uh, we've been very blessed to have partnerships with music therapy programs and dance therapy programs to add those components as, as part of our training, not only to the actors, but to everyone in our program. My big advice would be that for those theater professionals who are seeing how easily our work can evaporate is to consider all the avenues in which you can be a teaching artist and that's really what my goal in within Rollins College is to nurture and mentor future teaching artists so that then theater people have ways of making a living through these sort of small gigs so that you do uh, a one-week theater camp for individuals with special needs or that you are uh, the director of an after-school program in theater arts for individuals with special needs and that you find these ways that one you're doing community engaged theater that has incredible meaning but that also then you're able to make a living and to be embedded within your community and so that's what I do with all these interns and I, I, I'm training them so Kenzie has now um, had some experience teaching theater to small children uh, with special needs. And then she, if, and uh, I know you're interested right in education, Kenzie. And so if this is something she wants to continue to pursue. She's already had that experience. And so um, I would challenge, especially theater educators and, um, and uh, university theater makers to consider ways in which they can make their theater spaces more inclusive because their students do need these opportunities um, so that they can go forth and, and teach theater in schools to neurotypical groups, but then also to those with special needs, either physical or um, neurological. And I think one thing is to just do it because my story is someone, a friend uh, said, hey, you do theater, right? I have a camp for individuals with autism and we were thinking of adding some arts, would you like to do theater? And I knew nothing about how to teach theater to individuals with autism. And so I just jumped in and learned and started doing research. And that was over 10 years ago. So there was very little research, but there's more and more coming out about good methods and just the benefits are, are immense for the social, the emotional, the emotional, the verbal, um, the physical, right? When you think of how challenging phys uh, physically theater is, it's just hugely beneficial for all participants. Well, the work that you're doing uh, just at OCA at large and with Running Man is it's very impressive. And and Kenzie, your story as an actress is is inspiring to to all actors, to all artists out there. And it's been really fun to uh, you know be part of building this theater community. And I I know it can speak for Greg as well. We'd love to see the work that you're doing come to other regions of the country. We're in separate regions of the country. We're up here in up here in the northwest, you're in the southeast, suffering with that 50 degree heat down there. <laughs> cold today. <laughs> but we have we have people uh, again as the podcast has grown. We're making friends like you all over the country, and I'm sure there's folks uh, in your area that would love to uh, contribute, and, and all over the U.S. that might want to help out financially if that's if that's possible. What ways and what resources are there online uh, where they could uh, to make a donation, uh, donate their time, etc.? Uh, they can go to our website, www.gooca.org, and we have a donation button there. And they can specifically, if they want the contributions to go to Running Man, they can put that right there in the memo. 
and I can let Marion know, hey, you've got some money in the budget. So more money for costumes. That's exactly right. <laughs> always costumes. It is always costumes. <laughs> and and you are a five hundred one c three, so we it's, it's all tax deductible. Yep. yep. It's you know I I think it's what's really cool is for me to sit back here and watch um, Kinsey and and Marianne and and hear them talk and just you can feel their their pride and their energy and 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 their love of what they're doing and uh, that you know that's to me is just so heartwarming and and I think it's awesome I think it's great. Well, it's definitely well placed. I mean, the work the work that you guys are doing and have produced is uh, is in, is incredible. It's definitely. Um, something that i know matt and i have both enjoyed watching as we've we've prepped for the show did you Thank guys get you. a chance to see much ado about oca indeed we did you know what was i meant to tell you guys what the really cool thing was we've been talking about zoom and the theater and all that but what's really been interesting is to hear the actors say but i miss the stage i think that's great you know they they love that we can keep theater going but they have really missed the stage and and I, I just, I'll never forget, you know, hearing that the arts can change a person's life. I, you know, I grew up with sports, so that's always been my mindset, but there is no doubt that the arts have changed so many lives and so many lives here at OCA for the better, because the beauty is all of our participants get to have some component of the arts day in and day out. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sylvia. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you, Kenzie. Uh, appreciate your time. This has been an education and, and I can't say enough about the work that you guys are doing. For more information on OCA and how you can support the Running Man Theater, visit gooca.org. That's G-O-O-C-A dot org. And make sure to check out the production of Sherlock Holmes in the Case of the Christmas Goose, December 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern on their Facebook page linked in the show notes. Join us on December 18th as we continue our look at inclusion in the arts by discussing body positivity on stage and screen with actor Sarah Summers, who will share her Hollywood journey with us from her home in L.A. And keep an eye out for a special video edition of In The Mix coming soon to our YouTube channel, where we'll discuss some of our favorite inclusive films over the Wakanda cocktail, celebrating a watershed in film diversity, Black Panther. And don't forget to join us for our Christmas episode, Friday, December 25th, naturally, when we'll welcome Turner Classic Movies commentator, author and film historian Jeremy Arnold to chat about his book, Christmas in the Movies, 30 Classics to Celebrate the Season. And if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, do so now to be entered in our drawing for two fantastic TCM titles. And please join the conversation on Facebook or email us with thoughts and comments at heilmanandhaver at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, YouTube, Amazon Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And if you enjoy the show, make sure to follow us and share the podcast with a friend. We'll see you again December 18th. And until the footlights come up again, thank you for supporting local theater and for joining us on Heilman and Haber. <laughs>